Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Julie Spesser, and this is episode 136, The Granha. Oh, give me a home where the buff... Oh, give <laughs> me a home where the donkeys all roam and the skies are not cloudy all day. So what I want to do is I want to insert a sound for trying to match your pitch there. Oh, because, yeah, my pitch is terrible. I'm not a singer. <laughs> I don't claim to be one, and I'm okay with that. The only song I could sing okay is probably Clementine, because I've sung that thousands of times. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but it doesn't fit. Oh, my darling. Oh, you don't have oh, to sing it? No, stop. <laughs> Fingers on my ears if I didn't have headphones in them already. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Excuses for our hey. minor bits of banter. This is Julius again. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. This is Albert. It's great to be here. Um, We may not be here next week. We'll see. There's a hurricane coming this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm safe. I hope. You're, yes. You're you're directly in the path. I am directly in the it's path, but I'm in like the tail end of the path. Over here in Memphis, you know, it's just going to be like a tropical storm by that point. I'm going to get some rain. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. We've had some. Yeah, I mean. We've had some refugees actually coming up from refugees. Oh, really? We've had some evacuees. I don't know. Maybe refugees coming up from uh, Florida and environs heading up to Memphis for the weekend to hide out from the storm. Yeah, and it's going there anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, last week we thought it was coming straight to Greenville. That looked pretty scary. Oh, really? Because we're pretty close to the coast, and I mean, by the time I got here, it definitely will get weakened, but not that much. The winds will be coming straight in from the ocean, so so it looked pretty bad. But you know, fortunately for us, unfortunately for a lot of other people, it changed its path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not coming here. I'm I'm just waiting for the board game themed around one of these hurricanes to come out. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, the the kids have no school tomorrow. They canceled schools. What really? Be- wow. Yeah, because of the winds. So it's too windy kids. for school. That's that's horrible. <laughs> Apparently so. So you're already seeing signs of adverse weather. It was windy today. That was it. Tomorrow it's supposed to be very rainy and windier. But today was like 50 mile an hour winds. But you know, I grew up in South Florida. They didn't cancel school for hurricanes when I was living there. This is a pretty serious hurricane. It's still at Cat 5 hurricane. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no longer 5. It's it's slowed down a lot. Did it? It's down 120 it was, mile an hour winds, yeah. It was up at Cat a, 5 a before. Mm-hmm. It's a 3 now. Well, maybe it's jumping around. Yep. We're, it's Sunday afternoon. We're recording now. It is already going up along the Florida coast, on the Gulf Coast. And it is a category three with 120 mile an hour winds, I think, or less. I think it was 110, 105 mile an hour winds. I don't know. I know it got down to category two and then went back up to three and then up to four again. And looks like it went back down to a three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now it's down to it's it's currently at a two. Yeah. And not expected to go up. So, I guess that's a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, we're not here to talk about the weather. <laughs> we're here to talk about gaming. Gaming solo. Indeed. Through thick and thin, rain and snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rain and snow. And, uh, I mean, that's it. Just thick, thin, rain or snow. Those are the only conditions we'll work under. 
<laughs> you don't so I got a I got my copy of Triplock in the mail the other day. Oh, I don't want to hear you. Mine's not coming I, until Wednesday. I was Wednesday. shocked how fast that showed. Isn't that Kickstarter still going on? No. I mean, it was so fast. It was fast. It just ended weeks ago, I think. But I mean, that was one of the things they were advertising about at the time is we're going to be sending this out to you fast. You get it soon. I I know. And I still was surprised how fast it was when it showed up. I could not believe it. I think it's also because they use a different set of printing techniques because they're printing their stuff in-house on their own tokens and their plastic cards. So I don't think it gets shipped off to China. I don't really know, but... I imagine it's not of the same sort of backlog that you'd get for people, the the 40th game that has cards, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I know when they did the the last game, the Hoplomachus Kickstarter. You mean Too the, Many Bones? No, well, not the last game. When they did Hoplomachus, they were at least outsourcing the player mats, right? The the giant mouse pads. But I, I don't know. But it's a really, really nice looking game. The, the components look fantastic, which is expected for them. Um, and the game is interesting. It's really different from anything else. I I haven't played it solo yet. I played a two player game with my son, and we definitely had fun. I think we played two or three times in a row. Well, mine's on my on the way on its way. Excellent. So I'm sure we'll be talking about it at one point in time in more detail. Do you have any other news? Um, nope, not that I can think of offhand. Hurricane and Triplock. Yeah, well, there's some Kickstarters that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I know there's a few different Kickstarters going on right now that are solo friendly. You remember we talked about the Networks? Yes. Yes, that neat game with the cool art. Yes. So the Networks was a game themed around where you're the executive on a network trying to get the most viewers over five years, five seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it had a really unique method of implementing solo because each of the cards – in the large deck that you have, you flip them over and on the bottom, they have icons that are lit or not lit for the different drafting rows. So for the ads, the shows, etc. So each of the different rows are lit up. And if the icon on the bottom of the card is lit up, you remove that drafted card. And if you remove, if it, if you're asked to remove a card that you can't remove, one of your essentially lives are lost. And, if you lose too many lives, then you end the game. So it's a drafting mechanic where you're still being pressed against someone else because if there was no other opponent, so you can just draft as much as you like. But here it's randomized and you can't just sit and wait it out. You're forced to at one point in time say, okay, I've drafted enough. I need to stop and close and move on. And I haven't really seen anyone else implement that same solo mechanic and I really liked it. And I still play with solo and also with multiplayer, the networks still, I still really like that mechanic. I haven't seen anything like it. So there's an expansion coming out for it. The networks executives that just gives you a bit more player powers to work with, where you can actually be not just, you know, a generic executive of one of these places, but an actual named executive. And it changes how the different television networks will interact and what you do with them. I don't think it does anything to change how the solo mechanics work. I think that the solo mechanics work the exact same. I don't think anything changes that. So the solo game is not going to, you know, take away some of your new powers and things. So, but it'll give you different ways for you to interact with the game, which is interesting, which I like. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's such a nice looking game. I like the art. Mm-hmm. I I got I went to my friend local game store last week I think it was the week before and they were finishing up a game of it and they were just having such a hoop because of the the art and the theme and all that. 
Yeah, I'm glad to see that for, you know, many people, I don't know for me, but many people like the jokes and things about that haven't worn off. I don't know. I think I mentioned that like the jokes didn't really do great for me because I didn't recognize too many of them. I don't watch enough television. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same issue here. They 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 told me about some of the jokes and uh, just a blank wall when they were, when my reaction because <laughs> I have no idea what it was. But but this is neat. Okay, so what's the the details about this Kickstarter? Is it a is it a big box? Is it expensive? So I mean, you can add on the extra stuff if you want just the expansion stuff. So it's twenty nine dollars for just the expansion, assuming you got everything beforehand. If you you can add on an extra six dollars for the old, um, the old promos, the over the air stuff. The you can buy a full copy of the game, but mostly it's just adding the new mogul cards, the new executive cards, the new season zero cards, and each of those you know for the draft things for the what I was calling the main soul mechanic, which is the flip cards. So none of it changes that, but the new season zero cards of a soul mechanic, the new mogul cards of a season have a have a one player mechanic. So all of that is twenty nine dollars. And it's going to be ending on September 29th. So I also tend just to browse around Kickstarter. You wonder why I talk about these things. It's because I like reading them. Mm-hmm. And as I'm browsing around Kickstarter, I happened on this other one, Wander, the Cult of Barnacle Bay. So if you're a fan of anthropomorphic animals, um, this is one. It's a $90 game where you are very sort of animals doing a dungeon crawl. Um <laughs> and that's about all I can really say about it. It's a big miniatures box game. So there's a bunch of miniatures. I don't have the exact count for you, but there's a whole bunch of miniatures on a square tile mechanic that you're running around bashing the other guy. <sighs> Albert, I'm so tired of, of seeing these dungeon crawls. Like <laughs> if I'm reading through it, I remember we had one, a while ago that I was actually interested at the time, um, which was it, it did something different and it called out what it did different, but this one just, it just doesn't call it anything different. What's, what's it special now? Is it a pirate themed dungeon crawl anthropomorphic game? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Okay. There you go. That's what's different. It's got a But that's not different. Like Dungeon Alliance. <laughs> Dungeon Alliance was a recent dungeon crawl game. But it did something different because it was designed to be competitive and there was a lot of drafting and about how you play the game. I don't want to talk about it a lot more because it's not available yet. It's not done on the Kickstarter. But it specifically called out, hey, here's what we're doing different. But I read through this one. What is it doing different? It's mm-hmm. not. It's just a theme. Uh, I'm so tired of just saying, hey, it's a dungeon crawl. Yeah, you know, I'll admit, I've gotten bored of dungeon crawls in general. It I'm not bored not... of them. Like uh, Gloomhaven. I, I Gloomhaven, I like. It's also just a dungeon crawl. But it did something unique and different. The The top and bottom, the multi-use cards, the fact that you keep your whole hand for action selection, that did a lot of interesting things that was unique in its mechanics. But if you're not being unique and calling out to me and saying why you're unique, what are you here for, man? What are you <laughs> doing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the market's not saturated yet. Maybe there's just... I mean, apparently it's not. This one's funding quite well. Yeah, it's made its go. 
but for me it's tired i wish i, I mean i wish i could like give tips for designers like if you have to pick a tired theme like trading in the mediterranean <laughs> it's another i like that one. what i like that see i i'd buy another game about trading mediterranean would you really you're it's that exciting to you it's got to be based on mechanics if you're not really blowing me away with the mechanics then the theme isn't going to do anything for me yeah well you know okay so, so it, de- it does de- it depends farming I, I wouldn't mind i might get a game on farming um a Cthulhu game, it depends how it, how they do it and how they present it there. There I'd get more picky. Um, another thing, like, say, zombies? Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Again, it depends. So some themes are tired for me, others are not. It's just, you know, how much I like them. I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, def- dungeon crawling? Tired. Yeah. I mean, if it's not blown away with mechanics, and that's just something that a Kickstarter should do also, is you need to tell me why your game is special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'll look into it a bit because, you know, I want to have something to talk about for the podcast. But how many people are going to do that extra mile to look into it and say, hey, why is this different than every everything else if they're looking at mechanics? You can say that, hey, it's all about the art. It's all about the design style. Sure, if that's what you're basing it on. And that may very well be what they're doing it on because the art looks really nice, but... Hey, anyway, that is Wander, the cult of Barnacle Bay. We may return to this topic at one point in time about tired themes. If you want it, ninety dollars gets you a copy, and it's going to be funded on. It's going to be finished on October fifth. Okay. And the last one that we're going to talk about is Ancient Artifacts, which is a pen and paper dice game for one to four players, and it looks really interesting. It is a small box game. It's twenty eight dollars. Um, and it's going to be done funding on October 1st, but we're going to do something very different. Instead of doing a full review of it now, we are going to be adding on at the end of this episode a live play of it with Albert and me. We're going to play it two-player, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. Um, and we're going to play through it, and we're going to do a live play, and you get to listen into it, and hopefully it'll be very interesting, but that'll be at the end of it. And because this is an experiment, we're sticking it on at the end. Yep. And please give us feedback on if you like it and want to hear more like that or some other format of it. Let us know. So we're doing an experiment. We're going to see if it's interesting and listen along with us and see how it goes. Yep. We have not played this game yet. We have no idea what to expect other than, than we have printed out the PMP files and read like the, the rules. style of it. Yep, right and rules. think it looks neat. Yep, I mean it's it's a roll and write, and those games tend to be fun generally, right? So, how bad yeah. could it be? <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do that, and let us know how that is. But having said that, let's not waste any time. Let's get into today's review of La Granja. All right, music maestro. Home, home on the range. Oh wait. Oh, it hurts. That's not, you, that's not what you meant, is it? It hurts. It hurts. Albert. All righty. Welcome back. So today we're going to be talking about Legranha. We talked about tired themes. Here's one for you. It's farming. Yeah, now, this is a little bit different. It's not farming in the Mediterranean. Well, that was trade. There's, there's your generic trading games, which is you get resources, turn those resources into other resources, and have Actually, money. Actually, this is farming in the Mediterranean. It's in Mallorca. It happens to be, but that's trading in the Mediterranean, which is a quote out of Tom Vassell's, you know, mm-hmm. rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. But this is 
a farming game. And in terms of theme, it's a pretty generic themed game. <laughs> You're farming. You happen to be farming with grapes, olives, wheats, pigs. Donkeys? But, and, and, well, you don't actually trade in donkeys. You use the donkeys to transport them. But you're farming. That's really what it comes down to. I think the mechanics are its strong point, and I think it's a good strong point. But in terms of theme, it's it's just farming. It's tired. And we'll probably talk about that more in a moment. But let's go ahead and get the general overview of the game. You are farming. The game takes place each round in four phases. There's the farming phase, the revenue phase, the transport phase, and the scoring phase. Um, oh yeah, the end of the game happens after six rounds when everyone's had a chance to buy six of the roof tiles. At that point in time, the game's going to end and everyone's going to total up their points and see who won. Okay. Now, does everybody get to buy a roof tile or, or some people may be stuck without a roof? I think we'll get back to that. I think we'll get back to that question. Oh. I'm, I'd like to delete that question and come back to that later because okay. I'm trying to figure out how to do the summary. I'll redact it. And very brief. Redacted. The very brief idea of it is that during your turn, um, when it gets around to, you're going to be taking actions to use trade commodities, which are like wild resources, buying and selling resources, upgrading resources, and using cards from your hand to upgrade your player board, make money, send things out to the market, and all these different methods to earn points. Kind of Feldian in the type of point salad type thing that you're getting. At the end of the game, those points can be used, and whoever has the most points wins. So that's a very brief overview of the game. Let's go ahead and talk about the rules in the rule book. Now then, Albert, I believe you did say that you had a chance to review the rule book, even though you haven't actually had a chance to play no, the game. No, you know what? I, I got confused and I reviewed the, the rule book for La Granja No Siesta, the, the dice game, basically. Oh, really, Albert? Yes, I, so I studied up on the wrong game. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know this has some dice, but not as many as the other one, I guess. It does have some dice, and I'll probably get back to talking about those dice when we get back to components. But let's talk about the rules. For a solo player, the first thing that I tried to understand and had a lot of difficulty with were the solo rules. There are some player cards and things that explain – there are some, some player aids, excuse me, on BGG that actually explain the solo rules better than the game plays. The way it works in solo, just to say it in briefly, is that there's going to be a neutral player. There's a central board in the game with market stalls. And whenever you transport goods to a market stall, so you'll have these orders on your player board and you can – fill those orders and put them out in a market stall in the center of the game. So there's going to be a neutral player that will just sort of at random be putting out market stalls on the center that you get to fill up and take away his and mess around with his thing. So that's the neutral player. And there's a turn order mechanic on the side. So you'll get these hats, these siestas and if you get three of them, so you're going to be first player the next round. If you're not, then you're going to be uh, second player on the next round. And when he's first player during the revenue phase, he will draft, he will take away one of the dice on his turn. Which dice he takes away depends on which round of the game is. Whether that happens first or second, so that just depends on whether he's first or second in turn order. And then during the transportation phase, when he's first or second, he does one transportation, goes out to a market space based on whatever card he draws from the draw deck, and that's what he does. 
it really could have been explained a lot better. I've seen better explanations of it on BGG that made more sense to me because I was confused, especially since like it ties to tie in if he's star player, if he's not star player. Uh, it was confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't actually sound like it's a complicated mechanic at all. It sounds a lot like the the way the solitaire game works for nations, in which is an AI that sort of takes up actions and messes with the turn order a little bit and all that. Yeah, it's a very simple mechanic, and it's simple to understand what it is that he does. You know, he takes a die, or he goes on a place as selected by a card drawn from the from the draw pile. It's a pretty simple to understand, easy thing. Okay, but it wasn't explained well. Uh, it was just hard to understand. And as a solo player, when you don't have other people to ask, I mean, the game is not a new game at this point in time. The game is relatively old. I think it's a 2013 I game. Think 2014. 2014 yeah. game. But you know, so there's people online at this point in time that you can ask about, and I didn't get it released. I've had it for a while now at this point in time, but. It's. It was hard for me to understand without asking online, hey, what is this saying exactly? What is this saying? The rest of the rulebook aren't as bad. <laughs> it's, it's not as bad. It's not the clearest rulebook I've ever seen, but it wasn't as bad as the, rule books, as the rules for Solo where I had to ask, hey, wait, is this saying what I think it's saying? Hmm. Now, you know what? It is one of the prettiest rulebooks I've seen. Why do you I, say I just so? like the art, the layout of it is just really pretty. The okay. everything about it. I mean, I think again it it violates some common We have some commonalities already growing out of rule books, like the setup goes first and you introduce to me all the things as I'm putting them on the board. And you don't have that here. So setups in the middle of the book. And then, you know, you have actions sort of spread around in, in different places. And so some common mechanics and common things are not where I would expect to be. Uh, there are certainly at this point in time, plenty of player aids that I find easier to use than the rule book that are available online. And so those are the ones that mm-hmm. I've been using. Yeah. The, the setup is on page seven of the rule book. <laughs> wow. Right. So it just violates some common, common things. And I don't know if that's because it's 2014, who knows, but so the rules are only okay, and for solo they're worse. And that's what I'm gonna. That's how, that's how I'm rating the rules. In terms of theme, which is the next point on our rubric, farming. Mm-hmm. Farming, but in the Mediterranean, which is different. No, it's not different. It's just farming. <laughs> it's just farming. Yeah. So that's the theme. Boring theme. Let's talk about components. First thing that immediately struck me for components, the dice are wooden. Okay. They are wooden, six-sided, regular D6 dice, and they're wooden. Why are they wooden? I don't like wooden dice. You know, I I assume whenever a game has wooden dice, a lot of times it's just because it seems to to fit the theme a little bit. Sort of a rustic look to them, but... Why? Yeah, I, I never like it. I don't enjoy it. Here's something else I find funny. In all the pictures, the pictures of the dice in the rulebook don't look like the dice when you actually hold oh, them in your hands. Because the dice in the rulebook, they look more like a black and white die, whereas they're more brownish and real because they're wood. I don't know why they were wood. 
especially because the way the dice work is you roll them and along the side of the board. So each of the dice sides lets you take a different thing. So dice one is you get a pig. Dice two is you can take or play a card. Dice number four is you get four silver. So each one of them is something different. And each one of them have little icons on the side of the board. Theoretically, this could have been custom dice or heat printed dice or engraved dice with icons on them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could have been icons. Pretty simply so, because when you roll the dice, you lay them alongside along the side of the board, and you match them up with each of their respective icons. Now then, I'll grant you, the icons on the board are big because they didn't have to fit on, on dice, but they didn't need to be. <laughs> they certainly could have been bigger, or they certainly could have fit on the side of a dice. So why didn't they make them custom dice? And when we do get up to No Siesta, which you're quite familiar with, <laughs> hey, Albert, is No Siesta custom dice? They, they use thicker dice, which is even worse. Right. Oh, that that's just – I hate sticker dice. I, you know, I will, I will not get a game simply because it has sticker dice. Right. Mm-hmm. So – you know, and this it's not is one just of those sticker dice. That, that you got to put the stickers on yourself. <laughs> this, you know, it sounds like you get, <laughs> there, there's some other uh, other people. It looks like a it's a game crafter game once you have them do that. <laughs> so, you know, custom dice already at one point in time. This is a, this is when you're having dice that are used like this. I feel like it's becoming more and more common for that to be. You know what's done is is if you get, if it's a nice game and it comes with custom dice and this I feel like should have been custom dice or 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 just plain D sixes in plastic and that would have been better you know nice or that. corners yeah the the rule book that's what they look like in that image you know they look like they're they're, they're rendered not. plastic dice they're not they're wooden speaking of black and white another comment on the components mm-hmm. um many of the components have black and white on one side okay. And I don't know if you can tell, a lot of them have this purplish, solo, uh, uh, like monochrome in a different color on one side, and you flip it over and it's black and white on the other side. But and the silver tokens are all black and white. They're not like silver. They're they're black and white. And I understand it's probably cheaper when you do it that way. <laughs> Is it really? I guess. I mean, it's less color. Yeah. It's less color ink it's used. Black and white ink is cheaper. It's at least cheaper when I buy it from my home printer. I imagine when you scale it up, it doesn't change. Things. Yeah, though in these days of digital printing, I don't imagine it makes much difference. I don't, I don't know. I I, no who idea. knows? <laughs> well, this is. But there are a bunch of things that were black and white that could have used just a splash more color. Yeah. It's a, it's another game. Anytime, anytime where you have a monochrome picture, by the way, because many of the tokens. I'm not sure if they were trying to keep the monochrome to try and fit in with some other things. But for example, if you finish off a craft market, so there's when you're doing deliveries, there's two places you can do deliveries to. You can do deliveries to the center of the board and create a stall, or you can do deliveries to the craft market spaces. And if you fill out a full craft building, then you get a special power. And so a special power might let you have additional deliveries or additional hats in the future, for example. And many of those craft market phases are monochrome once you're there. And I assume that the reason or, or monocolored with 
hues. And I assume the reason why they had single hues like that is to try and make sure that you're aware, hey, this is blue, so it fits in the blue phase, which is the farm phase. So therefore, I'm going to keep it all blue and rob you of any colors that you may have had in it. So for example, if it's supposed to be a picture of a commodity good, that commodity good is now colored blue instead of the brown it normally is. Mm, okay. I don't like that. I don't like that at all, sir. So so far, you're not sounding like you enjoy this game because of the quality. I the the components of the game yeah. just hurt. The components of the game just hurt, and yeah, the components of the game hurt. The art on the game is nice. I like the art on on the on the player on the on the um, main board. Mm-hmm. It gives a nice rustic feel. You were highlighting some of it in the in the rule books. It's the same art. Yeah. And they have a nice cutout to the player boards. Um so when you're playing the game, it uses multi-use cards, which again is something I'll get back to in gameplay. But the different places where you cut it out on the player board, it's all very intuitive when you're putting it on. So the cutouts and the way they design the player board makes it very intuitive how to play the game and where things go. Which is nice. I like how they did that. But, oh, man, those wo- the wooden dice that they package it with. <laughs> did, Every time I pull those out, I'm like, why did they do did that? Did you replace your why dice yet? Why did they do that? No, why I didn't not? replace the dice. That would make the game better for you. Just change those dice. Up. It would. I should. It would and I should. Mm-hmm. It would and I should. Do it. But I haven't. Do it. So Just I don't. Do Albert, yeah. quit pressuring <laughs> me. Anyway, so yeah, so the components in the game are not great. Let's talk about the gameplay. Because the gameplay is where the game is going to hit at home. Okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, the game uses multi-use cards. Throughout the course of the game, you're going to be drawing cards. And you can put the cards essentially on any one of the four sides of your player mat. If you put it on the bottom of your player mat, it's a farm worker who gives you a special power. If you put it on the right side of your player mat, it's better income type stuff. So you get more income, you get higher hand, you get more cards, you can have some more pigs that grow. If you put it on the left, so it enhances your fields. So you're going to have more income of one of the primary field types, olives, grapes, or wheat. If you put it on top, so it's a market order. And so now you can deliver those to market to score more points and get more resource goods and and do those things. And so you want all of those. And you have a limited number of card plays that you can do. It's not very easy to solicit extra card plays in the game. So there's definite tension with those cards of, oh, I could really use some more fields right now. But I could also use that hand limit increase because I would love to have some more cards to look at, but this power is really a cool power and I could definitely make an engine from this power and multi-use cards for me continue to have such a nice tension when I play Mm -hmm. the game that I really like them. And this one does the multi-use cards. Well, I like it. I like the multi-use cards. In addition, speaking of tension, when you're putting things on the right side of the board, which I think is probably the most powerful part, you have your choice if you have to spend one, two, three, four, five many cards you're putting there of any resource you want. And so you really can start making intelligent plays with that about how you're putting that out and where you're doing with that because it gives you a lot of freedom to do what you want as long as you pay that resource with whatever it is you want. 
So both of those continue to have nice tension for me and make it very interesting. I like that. I like how it adds tension. Both of those are really good things. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, those multi-use cards. That's just, just whoever invented it. Genius. Right. Multi-use cards is a great mechanic and this implements it well. In addition, I mentioned that this is sort of like Feld with there's a lot of points, but significantly for many other Feld games that I've done, and many of those Feld games, you know, Bruges or um, Castles of Burgundy, neither of which play solo, but and many other Stefan Feld games that I've played, you don't really build attention. You're just trying to scoop up points. Points, 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 points. Not so with this one. With this one, you can really start to build an engine because you will get those things on the bottom, those different powers that you can get, and you can start pushing those powers towards one thing. And even just simple things as how which fields and which card upgrades you're doing can help you continue to move to an engine. You might be moving towards an engine of having a whole bunch of small deliveries to start moving around the board. And as long as you have a whole bunch of those deliveries out on the board, each round you continue to have income, which is points, from having a whole bunch of small deliveries. Or you may be focusing on getting the types of deliveries you need to finish off all the market stalls, which is a bonus for finishing the market stalls and how you build your board lets you develop a strategic route to victory different than in what you would say your normal point salad games are. And that feels good to me because in a regular field game, it's all about points. And I like that. I like, I'm not saying anything bad about that, but this is very different. You can create a strategic route to victory. This gives me, I mentioned this before, this gives me opportunities to make me think I'm being smart, developing strategy and implementing strategy. I feel smart when I'm doing it, which is good. And this has to do with where you're placing those multi-use cards, right? Exactly. And also about how they interact with the board as well, because you don't have to do everything. You can continue to focus on one player strategy and not have to ver- have to diversify, which would not be true of many other fold games, because at one point in time, you do have to diversify because you run out of options in a single thing. But this one, you can continue to implement your engine. Okay. Which also gives you some replayability. You have different, there's a whole big deck of those player cards. And so while that's not going to change about the fields and things, which powers you want to focus on will create some different replayability from game to game about how you want to do that. I see. Okay. So you don't use all the cards each time, huh? You do not use all the cards each time. 66 cards in the deck. No, you do not use all the cards each time. You may see. 15 or so okay. on a given game-ish. I'd, I'd have to count it out and see how many you actually see. But it feels like about 15 or so-ish on a given game. And you have to spend some of those. You have to spend some of those for, you know, fields, for um, for cart orders. And so you have to spend some things. So you're going to end up with different uh, power powers that you have to implement differently in order to be able to do well which is nice. Mm-hmm. But let me go back to solo for a second in terms of gameplay. This may be moving on to our solo aspects. The way the, the primary stuff in the game happens in soul in, in the action phase and the delivery phase in the action phase, you'll roll those dice. We talked about it before you roll those dice and you draft one of them. So all the dice are out on each turn. You get to draft one. Every we go around, the room that we go around turn order everyone drafts one takes that action 
And then the last one that's left, everyone gets to have. When you're playing solo, so the other player, the the ghost player, neutral player, is drafting one. During rounds one, two, and three, he drafts the lowest number. During rounds four, five, and six, he drafts the highest number. Which means when you're looking at the game, you almost know what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. And you can just sit there and turn plan out the whole thing. There's no variability for another player messing it up. There's no changes that happen about what can happen. Even if it were that there's a one, uh, uh, um, a D, a weighted D3, I think it's called, where it's one, one, two, two, three on the dice that determines which one it is that he does. Even if it were that. So it's almost always he's picking the lowest number. Maybe he picks the second lowest number. Maybe he picks the third highest the, or the highest number. Even if it were weighted D3, there would be some variability and some way of interrupting what it is that he's doing. Some, a little bit of chaos. There is no chaos here, which means that playing with that neutral player is kind of snoozy. Mm, okay. It's kind of snoozy. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't excite me very much. Yeah, it's easy to work around him. Really easy to work around him. It's really easy to know what it is that he's going to do and sort of like control what it is that he's doing. And I prefer a bit more, bit more chaos in my automatons where I, I pull up a card like networks. Let's talk about the networks, the one we just talked about. I throw a card down and I didn't know what they were going to do beforehand. And now I know. You know, it could have been that they, that the automatons would, we could play with a two, with a three player game instead of a two player game. And there's two of them in control and they take out random ones or they, you know, there, there could have been different ways for doing it. <laughs> Solo's boring. Oh, I'm sorry. So, sometimes I enjoy that sort of uh, scenario. It, it sort of depends what, what kind of mood I'm in. He's snoozy. <laughs> Yeah, but see, th- that usually lets you do more thinking and planning ahead of time, and that that's a different kind of fun. Yeah, but even with that thinking and planning ahead of time, while I was talking about that as a, as a strength of the game, but when you're playing with other players, you can still think and plan ahead of time, but when you're, you know, you find yourself having to prioritize something. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is going to want pigs. Number one in the first, second, and third round are pigs. Not everyone's going to want pigs. So you have a chance that you can get two pigs. And if the whole turn goes by, you're like, oh, man, I got two pigs. I can use that. I can do different (laughs) things. I can be challenged in different ways. You will never, ever get two pigs when you're playing solo. Never, ever, ever, ever. It's not going to happen because the solo player is going to have two opportunities to try and steal that pig from you. If there's a pig available, he's taking it. And often, that's the only pig. So when you're playing solo, don't plan for pigs. You're not going to get a pig. So it's not worth trying to plan for it. When you're playing multiplayer, well, if everyone goes, hey, it's really easy to lose pigs. So you know what? I'm not going to plan for pigs. And everyone looks at each other and goes, wait a second. Nobody planned for pigs. Well, I can make a killing now taking all the pigs that nobody (laughs) else is taking. And then everybody takes all the pigs, and then there's no pigs, and everyone goes, oh, wait a second, everyone else thought the same thing, which has happened to me before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see. And it's different. It makes each game, it makes the games different, and it loses it. It loses it in solo. Yeah, I I see what you mean, yeah. That that is a frustrating thing about solo games sometimes. You you play a multiplayer game, and, and you find you lose some interaction in it that's just nice. 
And for a game that you want to have some interaction with, you simply don't have that interaction. And it could have been fixed. It could have been fixed by implementing, in my opinion, it could have been fixed by implementing a weighted D6, a weighted D3. So one, one, two, two, three, or lowest, lowest, medium, and highest. Or lowest, lowest, low, three lowest, two medium, and one highest. So that way, in general, he's going to want the lowest, but not always. Not always. And each turn that it's his turn, so the neutral player rolls that. And you could end up getting multiple pigs, or he could swoop in and take those four silvers that you thought you were for sure going to get. Nope. <laughs> nope. You don't have those four silvers. And it may happen. And I'd really preferred, I would have preferred. If that were the case. Yeah. But it, yeah. Well, so far, you're not liking this game a lot. I really like it multiplayer. I think that the game is an interesting farming game multiplayer. There's more opportunities to interact with other players in that center mechanic. Which, by the way, that, that center board was lifted from another Stefan Feld game that I like. Um, La Luna. Or uh, not La Luna, just Luna. It's lifted from another um, game, Luna, by Stefan Feld. And I like Luna. I like it even more how it's implemented in this game. So I like it multiplayer. I think it's a lot of fun to play multiplayer. I think the components could have used some work. And I don't know if that's to be blamed on the fact that it's a 2014 release and some of Stronghold's games have gotten better since then, where... You know, he talks about how awesome the components are. When Terraforming Mars was released, he he very much wanted to make sure everyone knew how awesome those metal-colored cubes were. <laughs> if they were awesome or not, that's up to you. That's your decision. But when he put them out, he wanted to hype the components. I don't think there's that much hype going on about these components. Hmm. So the components are okay to me. They're not exciting components. If anything, they're a little bit disappointing, the components. And the solo gameplay is a little bit disappointing, but the multiplayer gameplay is really interesting, and I continue to pull it out from the multiplayer okay. gameplay. So you no longer pull it, it out really for solitaire, you're saying? I haven't. Uh, okay. I did for the review, because I wanted to play it a couple more times for solo for review, yep. and see if my opinions have changed, but I haven't really pulled it out for solo. Okay. No, because that solo because that solo guy is snoozy. Gotcha. I'm confused the the comparison to Luna, because are you familiar with yes, Luna? That yes, we covered that. Way so in the center the of the board, there's an idea that you can put your markers down on different spots. There's a five, four, yeah. three, and two, and then when someone else bumps you off, so they get a point for bumping you off. If you don't get bumped off, you collect income for whatever number spot you have over time. That same thing is present here. When you make a delivery, you go to the center of the board. Okay. And someone else keeps that until um, until you get – until someone else bumps you off, you continue to get income for having a thing there. And if someone else gets to a spot that's higher than yours, they can bump you off. It's hard for me to explain without like pointing. Yeah, but I see what you're going now. To it. But yes, it's lifted straight from Luna. So if you like that mechanic in Luna, I think you'll like it even more in the Granha. Okay. And the the designer specifically called out that it was inspired by Luna by Stefan Feld. So he didn't, you know, lift it or steal anything like that. 
he did it in a very nice way. And I don't think Stefan Fell would ever have a problem with that. Right. But it's nice how he did that. And I like the mechanics. I really like the mechanics for the game. I really do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about it, you like it, but then every once in a while, there's something you just want to complain about. So, so it seems like it's a little bit... Your, your feelings are mixed. My feelings are not so mixed on Solo because it's not been coming out for Solo. Okay. I like. I mean, in in multiplayer, it's really nice. I also like how there's one. Everyone has a whole box of cylinders which are in their color, and those cylinders can be everything. They can be trade resources, olives, and and you don't need a whole bunch of components. Unlike an Uwe Rosenberg type game, where you have to have different meeples for this and for that and for this and for that which are really nice. It makes the game more expensive when you have it. And it also makes keeping track of all those things a bit harder with these ones. When you want to change your olives to be wine, you just slide the piece over to the wine area, which is nice. I like how they did that. And it's nice that they did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> is it better if it's like an Uwe Rosenberg game <laughs> where grapes and wine are two entirely different things? You physically put back the grapes and get the wine. Yeah. Is it nicer? I don't know. <laughs> it's a different type of it's a different type of thing. So that's that's what I'm saying that it's nice and it works well, but the components just don't wow me. Okay. And the solo mode turns me off because it's a snoozy solo mode. And they could have made the solo mode better. They could have made it easier to understand the re, the the rules in the solo mode. I continue to try and bring it out for solo. I think that that the game group has possibly snoozed on it also at this point in time from the number of times that it's brought it out. I don't know. I continue to try and pull it out because I like it multiplayer. I thought it was a lot of fun multiplayer. But for solo, it's just snoozy. Interesting. Now, I seem to remember that this game was popular in the solitaire games on your table geek list. So I think... I, I wonder, are there solitaire variants for it? Do you know? I mean, I just came up with one. I mean, well, okay. the the... Weighted D6 one, the the weighted D3 one, I feel like would help it. The game is fun, solitaire. I just don't think it's amazing. I just think it's snoozy. Okay. And I definitely think that there are going to be people who like that, who like it to be all pre-made and, and set out. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that actually the reason why I originally sought out Lagranha is because I saw it so well uh, rated in the solitaire games of your table geek list. Mm, okay. You see, I think I would enjoy the idea of the the turn is already everything's laid out, and I got to figure out the optimal turn sort of thing instead of the the more interactive version. But again, oh yeah, you would prefer see, it like I, that. But again, it depends. Sometimes I'm in the mood for one, sometimes I'm in the mood for the other. It just sort of depends. And I think I like game that I have games that are like that, and I could go to those games when I'm in the mood for that. And I like games that there are others were where it's more interactive and it changes. So I think it's, it really just depends. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm not sure. Are you saying that you would... Tr- you would I think I would enjoy th- it. You think you would? I think I would enjoy the game because the the, the style of play sounds fun. I, I like the idea of playing my turnout and I like the way that it looks. And it, a lot of times the art makes a big difference for me. So I think it would be a fun game for me. Yeah. Now, I wonder I mean, if you would enjoy the ahead. solo game of um, the, the No Siesta more because 
I assume it's more random because it's a dice game. Uh, it's a roll and write game, and oh, so okay. I tend not to pick those up too often. Um, and Stronghold tends not to send us review copies. <laughs> so, um, but it's a dice, it's a roll and write game, and I tend not to pick those up because I'm not able to play them on Shabbos. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Um, when we can't do writing. So I tend not to pick those up. So I'm not really very familiar with, with no siesta. Um, also Aquasphere has a roll and write game that also looked interesting to me in yes. one player, which is another one that was like, Oh, this looks interesting, but I'm not going to ever pick it up. So, and that is a maybe. fun game. And I'm looking at a couple of the entries, by the way, in uh, solitary games, in your table is And I see that there are some people who did create Tama for playing solitaire. Ah, Okay. Uh yeah, um, Renard or Bulo is his username on BGG, but he did create an actual Atama for playing through Lagranha, and so I may prefer this more with the Atama. Depends on how easy it is to understand how it all works out. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. It could be. Yep. Looks like a deck of cards that it is that it uses. I'm not really familiar with it. I haven't looked at it beforehand. But I imagine that I would like that more if it were an Atama instead of just completely scripted. Yeah, I could see. And that does sound more like your thing. Probably. Well, neat. Probably. So maybe I'll have to try with the Atama. But in terms of how I think it plays, so again, multiplayer, I really like it. I highly recommend it for playing multiplayer. I think that it's an excellent farming simulation type game with some good tension for a solo play. If you like the very much pre-calculated, able to predict everything that you're doing, so then go for it. If you want to have a bit more excitement in your game, then it may not be the one for you, and so it's not really the one for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there we go. So that's Lagranha. All right. Uh, stick around soon. You're going to be hearing us play through uh, one short game of Ancient Artifacts, a pen and paper dice game from one to four. Yay. All right, so you're joining us in the middle of our playthrough of Ancient Artifacts. Again, we talked about this earlier on. This is currently live on Kickstarter. It is a one to four player dice building or roll and write dice rolling game. Um, where both Albert and I are going to be fighting to see who can explore through the desert, the ocean, and the jungle first to gain the max amount of points. Just for a brief little overview about how your turn goes, the first thing you're going to do when you do your turn is there's a bag of multicolored dice. There are nine dice in three colors, orange, green, and blue, and you're going to hear those numbers repeated a couple times over that. First thing we're going to do is we're going to draw some dice out of the bag, Whichever two dice you roll, you will then, or whichever two dice you have, you will then roll those. And that determines which actions on the main board you can then go ahead and take, because there's spots on the main board where you can place dice out. After you've taken that, you've selected what your action is, you will then roll some of our success dice to see how well you do at that action. Each of us have a player board, which is where we're writing all of our stuff. 
and whatever the next available spot on the player board determines what actions it is that you could put down on the main board and also what successes you have. So, for example, I'm still stuck at the first spot of the ocean, which is a research action, and in order to succeed at that in general, I need to roll one of each of the successes, except for the Raider one. The Raider one is an automatic failure type uh, type side of the dice if you roll three of those when you're rolling four actions you will immediately fail so we're in the middle of the game we're going to jump in on this because albert is a little bit stuck right now um <laughs> he's reached into the dice bag now a couple times to see what actions it is that he can take and he's pulled out um a failure on a couple times where he simply cannot place a dice. So when you do that, you have to spend some money and try and re-roll, or you just consider a bust and you get a little bit closer to locking yourself onto one of these tracks. So now we're going to see if Albert can actually manage to pull one more out. Albert, All right, so can you do it? I, I bet you I can. This, I'm reaching to the bag and I'm pulling out two dice, and these dice are orange and green. So I put the other dice back in the bag and roll, and I roll a... Uh, Orange is a five and a green is a four, which is not what I wanted at all. At all. Um, <laughs> Albert's already finished off his research. He's a step ahead of me in green, and I haven't. So Albert can't use that green die to go ahead and do jungle research. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm basically locked out. I can't use these dice at all in any way. Um, so what I can do is I could just bust for the turn. And say, Julius, it is your turn, and now you have a red and a green die to use. Good luck. So I'm going to go ahead and use the roll bonus on digging. Albert, do you want to follow me? Yeah, I will follow you. And, you know, I, we barely need to do this because we only need two more boxes at this point. And with that bonus, it's super easy. True. So and the way following works is that the person who is following the other has to spend a dollar I don't gain a dollar, but I get to mark down that I've been followed once. And whoever is followed the most at the end of the game gets three points. I'm hoping that's going to be me this game. The last time we played this, it wasn't me. So I'm going to go ahead and do a new roll, and all I'm looking for are people or picks, and I get four of those, which is extreme excess of what it is that I'm looking for, and I can stop. And there's no reason to overroll on this one, because unlike with later research, there's no continuing. So I've finished the dig action. Albert has presumably also finished the dig action, yep. and both of us have reached the first milestone in desert, so we both immediately score a point and can move on to the next section, which is going to be a research section. Now, at the end of my turn, there is a die on each of the spaces on the main board, so we're going to clear the main board, which will hopefully make it easier for Albert to actually draw a successful dice. Yeah. Well, yeah, now I can't fail because the whole board's open. That was the issue I had before. All the spaces I needed, except for one, were locked up, and I, and I couldn't do anything. So here, Albert says he can't fail. I can't fail. To fail. And I, <laughs> I'm going to do the orange research. Why not? Orange is desert, by the way. Blue is oceans, and green is jungles. Their colors match. Well, what do I need to roll? Books? According to this, I need to roll books. Books, books. books. You could keep re-rolling until your dice are all locked or you have skulls. Well, let me mark off that I am being followed because this is a roll and write, so I need to write. Oh, two more books and a skull. So now I have no bonus, so i got to keep rolling. 
if Albert would have had the roll bonus, in the corner of the main map, there's a diagram showing you which colors give you a roll bonus. Orange gives you a bonus for rolling ones and twos and using those. Blue gives you a three and four for using those. And green gives you a five and a six bonus. Oh, there we go. So if you use the roll bonus in the corresponding section, um, you either double your results or for the research action, it makes it easier to do research. Albert didn't have the roll bonus for this time, so he needs four books to succeed. And while you were talking, I rolled that fourth book. So now I have the the six dice are done. I have two skulls. I could pay a dollar and unlock all my dice and keep going on to the next section in this one. And I think I will do that. All right, so Albert's completed those two. So now it's my turn, and I pull out of the bag another blue, so I have a blue and a green. But I'm going to go ahead and do a jungle research to try and catch up with Albert. I assume Albert isn't following me because there's no purpose to him to do that. I'm looking for either books or people. I rolled one book, so I'm going to re-roll. I rolled two books and two skulls. So I'm going to spend a dollar and unlock those two skulls. And then I'm going to re-roll again. And I got my four books. So I have finished the jungle research. Nice. Albert, it is your turn and you have a blue die available to you. What's your next die? die? I'm reaching into my bag and I'm rolling a blue die. So I got two blue dice. Two blue for you. So my only choice is to research without a bonus. So I guess I will do that. And that means we'll have a die in each of the regions now. So I go back to my trusty die rolling app. Yep, I'm using an app. New roll. And I need one of everything here. Oh, yeah, one of everything. Except for the skulls. And let's see, I've got a skull, a book, the sword, the picks. Oh, a second skull. Gee, I guess I'm going to spend a dollar. Why not? I'm just going to spend all my money. I'm running out of money, though, by the way, <laughs> early on in this game, too. So I am unlocking the two skull dice and keeping the other three that I, that I know I need. And I'm re-rolling. And there it is. Finally got it. So I have finished my oceanic research, and I know where I need to go diving now. And that ends my turn. I'm going to go ahead and research, and I have a bonus. And you just finished your research, so I assume you don't care to follow me. Is that? But the blue forest dive. Not research. Right, but I've got the roll. <laughs> Albert, um, when you roll a blue three or a blue four, they can be put on any of the blue spaces for the roll bonus. Not the ones that are marked with the three no. and four? The three oh. and four can take any three or four of any color. Okay. Anyway. So I did my research, and my first roll is a success. So I finished my research. That means I finished the first milestone in Ocean, and I believe I'm catching up to you. Albert, it is your turn. Gee, for orange, I just need to do the dive. Dig. Dig. I'm sorry. Nice reading. Yeah. You know, this is my printer. The colors are hard to see. It's orange text. Yeah, blame the printer. It's orange text on on light orange background. Blue text on light blue background. Yeah, besides, I should be I should be wearing my reading glasses. <laughs> uh, reading glasses. Mm-hmm. What are these reading glasses you speak oh, of? Oh, you'll know one day. Trust me, you'll know one day. I don't need to research. I need to explore. And my other option is orange research. So you can't orange research either. So I guess you're spending a dollar to explore. Oh boy. Okay, I'm spending a dollar. <laughs> What happens if I run out of money? Do I bust the whole game or I just can't? I think that means oh. you just can't spend dollars. And I just got to bust and bust and bust. In the solo, if you run out of money, um, then the game ends. Yeah, so how else is this different? Or no, it's not, it doesn't actually end. Um, in solo, the game ends when you cannot do... Uh, when you cannot 
place an action die on the atlas, which means that you cannot spend a die. Can you hear these dice? So if you run out of money and get into a situation like you were just in, the game would end solo. But in multiplayer, it just means that you get <sighs> progressing towards being locked out. Hey, if I like myself out of the desert, do I still get credit for all the stuff I have done? Yes. Oh, okay. You just can't make any further progress on it. And I, I cannot do anything. I need that jungle explorer that you keep locking. No, that keeps getting locked up with a five or six. Okay, I mean, I guess I will stop. Uh, I'm just going to bust again. And where are you busting? I think I will bust in the ocean. So you're at two on each of them. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. I can go exploring without a bonus. In the jungles? Yeah, in the jungles. No, I won't follow you. I only got one dollar left. I'll just... All right, I'm going myself. Have fun. Here I go. It's going to go great for him, watch. Two skulls just to start <laughs> off with. Um, but I did get two people, so I'm going to unlock the skulls with another dollar, and I'm going to keep the two people. Alrighty, so yeah, I got four, and I'm going to stop. Okay. So I get a feeling with this game, as you play, often places just get locked up. And, and as the game progresses, you, you find yourself fewer and fewer choices. I got a blue and an orange. I think that's the point. The game ends as soon as as soon as one player is not able to progress on any of their tracks, then we're going to have a final round, and each other player gets one turn before the game ends. So, yes, at one point in time, you're just locked off. Here we go. I've got orange digging with a bonus, and this is the last dig box. With a bonus? This is, yep. Oh, no. Yep, yep, yep. Here we go. New row. A skull and a skull. And you have no money? Oh, I really want this. I'm going to... I'm gonna spend my last dollar. I am so broke now. I'm gonna do note that you do have a dollar from over in the research and explore or in the ocean and jungle tracks. Oh, do I? Yeah, I see that. You're right, because I finished that, so I got to cross that mark that off. I don't from the jungle track because I have not explored successfully. So here we go. Did I do a row? New row. I got one. Tools. Oops. Wait, wait. I did that wrong. Hang on, I gotta reset this. Here's a tool. Okay, now, re-roll. Nothing. A skull and a tool. And a skull. Two skulls and two tools. I need a tool, no skulls. And I busted. <sighs> Darn. And that, I am out of the desert now. You're locked out of the desert. I'm locked out of the desert. Oh, you were so close to getting it, too. Yeah. You were oh. so close. Darn you, Dice app. Oh, man. So orange is completely locked up. Um, Which is fine for me. Whatever. Well, the problem is at this point in time, it seems like we're never going to do any cleanup. So that means that we are never going to be removing dice from the bag. From the board? Or removing dice from the map. It, we might. I mean, I could do... I could. Still Neither play. of us. We're both locked out. Oh, you're, you're in an ocean. Yeah, I'm in an ocean. I'm out of notion. So what I need to do is explore in the jungle. So I'll put the blue in the explore space. That's a blue five. And I don't get a bonus. Okay, so I'm going to roll again. Uh, I lucked out. I am out of luck, I mean. So I am locked out of the jungle now. So I'm going to reach in to the bag. And I'm going to pull out a blue and an orange. And I'm going to roll them. I don't think there's much I can do with those. I rolled a five and a four. The four to dive. No, I'm locked out of an ocean. So I'm going to spend a dollar. 
and put those back and reach into the bag again. And I blew it, and I drew out a blue and a green. I'm going to roll them. I got a one and a three. There is no way for me to proceed actually on the track. And we have sort of locked ourselves out at this point. So as long as you can dive, as long as you can dive, we're not out yet. But I'm going to go ahead and put one more skull out on the desert. Um, and it's your turn and you get to draw out two dice. You need to roll a four. And I rolled a six and another six. Um, so either I cross out the ocean and I'm out of the game, or I could spend a dollar and keep going and see if I actually get lucky. Though I probably won't. Do I have a dollar to spend at this point? I have that. Oh, I have a dollar here, yeah. A dollar is a point. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who needs points, really? I need the glory of uh, exploring. Okay, so I could dive without bonus now. Roll. And a skull. I locked out. I locked myself out of the oceans. So I am done in this game. I have locked myself out of every track. Okay, so I'm going to get two more turns, it looks like. Because game end is at the start of a player's turn if they can no longer make progress in their career tracks, then the final round of the game is matriculated. Each other player gets one final turn. So I get two more turns. So the blue four lets me do a dive with a bonus. I am most certainly... Nope. Oh, I can't You're out of the do ocean. that. Never mind, I can't go to the ocean. Let's see here. I can do some desert research, which I will go ahead and do. Uh, re-roll, re-roll, re-roll. And there's the third skull. So I am locked out of desert. So the only thing left to me is in the jungle. Okay, you can do it. They immediately rolled two skulls. <laughs> Ouch. You roll a lot of skulls in these dice. You gotta change the dice out. And I've done it. You made it? I did. Wow, cool. I rolled okay. two machetes and two people, in addition to the two skulls. So I've finished off that section of the jungle. Nice. So I get a dollar and a point, which nets out for how much I spent on that, because I spent $2 doing it. Yeah. And that was not really advantageous. And I should have just not done it, because there was no real reason to do so. That's true. In hindsight, the most you could get on was two points. And odds were you're not going to get two points. Right? So Correct. So I should have just saved my dollars and not gone in. But that being said, let's go ahead and total up the amount of points that we got. So this is a low-scoring game, at least for me. So I finished the first milestone in each of the tracks, and I didn't use either of the dollars on each of the tracks. So I have a total of five points. Yeah, I've got, plus we got to do the followers, which you just killed me in that anyway. So yeah, I got one point for the desert for the first one, and then one more for the second. I spent the money there, so it's two points. I got one point for the research, and I still had that money. So it's four points. And that's it. I didn't complete anything else. I never completed anything in the jungle. And so I, other than that, I have no more money. And we count the number of followers. I have two. I think you had like your follows. I, I have two follows. And I think you had three or four or five. So that's a three-point bonus for you. So I have another three from that. Yep. So that puts me at eight. Yeah, whoever has the most followers gets a three-point bonus. So that's eight to four. Eight to four. A clear victory, though neither of us found the treasures. So, very briefly, Albert, what did you think about the game? It, it's fun. I do find it a little bit confusing, I think, because we're playing online and not face-to-face. Um, it, it's, it's interesting how the game quickly starts to, to feel like your options are dwindling and time is running out. It starts very open and quickly changes. I thought that was pretty neat. I, I hear that. Yeah, I definitely think in terms of iconography, the spaces on the board that can be used by any color dice should be somehow shown that they can be any color dice that was definitely tripping us up 
for me with this game, there's a whole lot of times where I'm rolling the dice and I can't do anything. And I understand that the game ends when you can't do anything anymore, and that may just be how many roll and write games. The only other roll and write game I've played has been Quicks, um, where again, at one point in time, you just can't roll. But a lot of the time, I felt like I was progressing. When I'm having to over and over again, like I'm looking at the board, I'm like, no matter what die I pull out, I actually cannot do anything until Albert does something to clear this map for me. I don't know. That that feels a little bit like, hey, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one thing that's interesting is most of this board will never get used because you never, I don't know about most, but you're never going to, not often get to the end of any, some of the tracks. So you're always going to be trying to get there, never get there. You may. You may be you really going to get some of the tracks. I bet you, at least in a multiplayer game, it feels like most of the time you won't get to it. Like you, uh, you're gonna, how lucky you get. You're going to bust out of the game at some point. And depends how lucky you get. Yeah. Maybe. But that, I mean, based on one play, that's what it felt like. And you've not yeah. played other Rolling Rights? Have you ever played Jotzee? I mean, that one's that one's different in that oh, it has a God. fixed number of rounds. Is Yahtzee considered a Rolling Right? Absolutely. You're rolling and writing. It's the original Rolling Right. I suppose. <laughs> It has been years since I played Yahtzee. Oh. The only one I've played where I can remember the game was Quicks. Okay. I like Yahtzee. I'll play that occasionally. It's fun. It's simple and silly and fun. But anyway, so there we go. We had a little bit of a playthrough. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. hope it wasn't too confusing. And, that, you know, at least that you got a feel for what the game might be like. All right. So let us know what you thought about that. This is the first time we're trying that. If people like hearing more of this, we may try it again in the future. Uh, and we'll see you guys around. Yep. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome to Welcome. the One Player Podcast. Excuse me? I was going to say it, and then you were going to cut in with your song. Okay. Good Welcome energy. to the One Player Podcast. This is episode 136. Wait, that's not what we do, is it? Welcome to the One Player Podcast, a show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 136. Oh, give me a home where the donkeys and pigs roam, and the skies are not cloudy all day.